Amen. Open your Bibles to Genesis 15. You have an easy memory verse this morning. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord, Lord God, wilt thou give me see, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said to me, and Abram, excuse me, and Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he, he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's your memory verse. And he said unto them, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, and the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horrible and great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age." But in the fourth generation shall they come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites, and the Rephaims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And what we have here is a situation with Abraham. He's not yet been called Abraham. He's Abram. He's fearful. He's come through, you know, and he's had this battle, and he got back all that was his, and he refused to take a blessing from the pagan kings. And Melchizedek blessed him, and he paid tithes unto him. But can you imagine one man who went to war with his servants? Okay, you get the picture? And he's got these kings that are upset with him. Would you be afraid? Do you want to take on the U.S. government? People have tried that through the years, individuals. How does that turn out? Okay. Now, God had blessed Abram, and he'd come through the battle, and he had done amazing things, but it was with God's power and God's strength. 
To me, the picture of that is in 1967, when Israel took on all the Arab nations around them. Egypt was a power in the area. Islam was controlling everything. Egypt was a very... you got to remember, Israel, and they still don't have all their land, is only 60 miles wide and 120 miles long. That means you could drop it in the middle of New York State and not find it, let alone Texas or a bigger state. I mean, it makes New Hampshire look like a big state. So you have this situation, and what they do? All of the Muslim countries were supported by the other superpower at that time. We're learning right now, that is Russia really a superpower? They can't take on you. They're not defeating Ukraine with the rest of the world's help. But they was in the middle of the Cold War. And America was afraid of Russia. And I've read, you know, Coming Peace in the Middle East is a book back there. Because people make prophecies about when Jesus is going to come. You know, when he was supposed to come in 73, and then he was supposed to come in 88. There was a book out, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. And then he was supposed to come in 93. You know, and then he was supposed to come at the... The millennium. Okay, and I know of a church that went in and installed big propane tanks and put in gas lights for their church so they could be a FEMA center because the world, the tribulation was going to be starting and they wanted to be able to reach people when there was no place to turn. You know, with Y2K and everything that happened, and Y2K turned out to be what? A software patch. So you got to be careful in what you think. But people get afraid, don't they? And they get fearful about what's going to happen. Israel miraculously defeated the Arab Air Force and the Arab armies. It took them, I think if the, I remember in the book, seven or eight weeks of a constant caravan of big trucks to haul away all of the hidden weaponry that Russia had donated and was hidden on these, in these big caves on the coast of Syria and down the coast of the Mediterranean. And they defeated him in a week or two. And it was just one of those amazing things. The pilots couldn't understand. We shoot and the planes get hit. They shoot, we don't get hit. That's the way those pilots thought. And I only say this, is Abram came through a war like that. But he was still doubting. You know, he'd made some serious enemies in that, in Genesis chapter 14, and now he feared for his safety. And God comes to him in a vision, telling him to what? After these sayings, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Do you know how many Christians mess up because they're not looking at God and they're looking at their circumstances? How many of you can give me 2 Timothy 1.7? I say that verse a lot to myself. For God hath not given us the spirit of, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You know, Pastor Keenan and I were talking the other day, and it's like you, you see the juxtaposition. You have fear on one hand and a sound mind on the other. Hosea 4.6 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So many times, fear is based off of ignorance. And for the Christian, fear is going to be based off the ignorance of who God is 
and what God says. What God says. It happens over and over and over again. I spent some time yesterday just looking at verses on what not to be ignorant of in the Word of God. You could have a pretty good handle on your Bible if you just look at where he says, be not ignorant, okay? 2 Peter 3.8 Be not ignorant of the fact that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. I have to tell people all the time, one of the admonitions, okay, I, you know, I'm kind of funny because you know, I, I look at myself and I think back when I first took over and I don't feel like I'm any smarter or have any more experience than when I first became pastor at Emmanuel. And now, I'm an older man. But I'm not afraid of getting older. Well, one thing I've admonished Pastor Kenny, and he's become very good at and a lot of pastors make mistakes. There's some that's happened recently. Is they can't wait on God. And they get afraid of what's going to take place and they start reacting. How many of you have ever done something you wished you hadn't done because you didn't know what was going to happen and you got afraid? Because if I, if, 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 if I don't, this, 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 and this could happen. Right? It destroys marriages. It destroys businesses. It destroys family. It destroys kids. Teenagers especially. Do you realize that a teenager's life can end in one week over the way other kids think about them? And they're afraid of what could possibly happen? So that ought not to be when God gives us the, the promises. Abraham, Abram, is the father of faith. If you look at his life, he doubted God at different times. He was afraid. But he had to learn as he grew in his relationship with God to trust what God said. That's why it's so important that you know what he says. When he says, fear not. You know, fear not is found hundreds of times in your Bible. God tells him that God would be his shield and exceeding great reward. And we like to sit there, well, if God gave me that promise, I'd charge hell with a squirt gun. Would you? We'd be brave at the beginning, and then when things didn't happen as fast as we want them to. Do you, you know, I read this chapter, when he has the dream, he's told, yeah, it's going to go well for you, Abram, but your, your progeny, those from your lineage, are going to go into captivity for 400 years. But when they come out, they're going to come out with so much, they win as, they're winning as 12 families. They come out as a nation. They went in as shepherds, just 12 families. They come out over 2 million people. They went in poor during a famine. They left with the riches of Egypt. You know how many times we get in trouble because we're ignorant of what God says, we're ignorant of who God is, we get in a hurry and we miss the opportunity for God's blessing. If you want to know what this chapter is about, that's what it's about. 
you know, fear is unbelief in disguise. I've had someone tell me, I'm trying to counsel them, yeah, yeah, Pastor, I see, yeah, you're right, God does say that, but, but what? Used to be a saying, you saw that they had bumper stickers out. You remember the bumper stickers? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Right? The truth of the matter is, God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. And when I don't believe it, I miss out on the blessing of God that comes from belief. You ought to take the same attitude as the centurion. He says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Okay, a day of the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Sets up the timetable in the Bible. Isn't it interesting? There's seven days in a week. And then the eighth day is a new beginning. I don't care what evolutionists say. The world, as we know it now, can't be proven that it's older than 7,000 years. It's not proven. It's theory. They try to say that. How about this? You're not to be ignorant, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay? Okay? Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If we were to go back, I won't for the sake of time, because it's not the lesson. I have to keep learning that. Pastor Kenny said you're going to have a hard time covering all the material, because I like to wax eloquent. Well, maybe you don't think it's eloquent, but at least I like to wax. Okay? All right, that passage about being ignorant of devices is the greatest tool that Satan uses to bring people down and destroy relationships is unforgiveness. Do you know why people won't forgive so many times? Because they're ignorant of the outcome if they offer forgiveness. Well, I'll forgive them and they'll just continue doing the same thing. You know what you have to learn to do? Forgive because that's what God's Word says. And then believe that God is going to be your shield and exceeding great reward. I have to tell people all the time, I have to tell myself, all I need to do is obey God because when I obey what God says, then God is responsible for the outcome I am not. So if I think it goes bad for a certain length of time, God allowed that. He allowed Abram's lineage be taken into Egypt. He told him it was going to happen. Abram, one of the things we see is he, in the book of Hebrews, he staggered not at the promises of God. No, he didn't stagger, but boy, sometimes he felt like he was stumbling a little bit because he would learn to partially obey. You know when you see the full obedience and we haven't got there, I'm getting ahead of myself? It's Genesis 22. Isn't it interesting? You know what the gospel to Abraham was? Believe me. You are going to have children as many as the stars of heaven. Look at them. 
You know, Abram wasn't an evolutionist. And when you look at the heavens, you know what God is trying to say? Look at this expanse. I put them there. I think I've got you. Right? The stars of heaven? What does one of the Psalms tell us? What Psalm is it? The heavens declare the glory of God. The ferment show forth His handiwork. How's it go? Day unto day, uttereth, and night unto night, showeth knowledge. You can't look at the order of the stars. You know, when they can plan a trip to the moon, whether you want to believe they ever made it there or not, on nuts, I don't care. But they can calculate the movement of the stars because God's not the author of confusion. Do you ever realize that? Think about this. Science. The distance, if I put my hands out, you know that picture was at uh, Galileo's? I'm trying to think who drew the, the picture. Shows the circle, okay, of a man. There's a repeating number in that. You know, it's the same for George Ann as it is for me. Now, there's a multiple for me that's bigger than hers, but it's the same number that repeats. Do you know that number shows up? In the orbit of the moon around the earth? That same repeated number shows up in the orbit of the earth around the sun? The sun in the galaxies? You know what the odds of that taking place? It's greater than if you took one dollar bills, it's been said, and stacked them on top of each other till you reach the moon. It's one to the such and such a power for that number to be repeated. But God's not the author of confusion. And when you get rid of fear, you can bring an order that makes sense. So Abram here, the lesson I want you to see there, he's not afraid. He's not ignorant. 1 Corinthians 12.1 talks about being ignorant of spiritual gifts. Because people want to, well, I can do, you know, I have, I know of a Baptist pastor, he's not a senior pastor, but his wife claimed to have the gift of prophecy. And she could claim to tell people, Baptist, in a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing, King James, Baptist church. And that woman used to think, oh, I can tell you, because God's given me this gift, I can tell you what's going to take place with you. So just me, let's get there talk, and I'll be able to tell you. And her husband didn't know enough to shut her up. Women's being subjection to your husbands and everything. I look at a passage, and I'm not trying to offend you women, but you know what God's Word says? And Paul says, you better understand, this is the commandment of the Lord, that women are to be silent in the churches. I know of a Baptist pastor who turned around and let women, a woman, teach men. I have no problem with women teaching women. But you get things out of order when you have a woman teaching men. You know who the, the biggest sales of Christian books are written by today? Do I need to give you names? What kind of Christianity is it produced? We get caught up, and hey, God said Eve was deceived 
Man was in, Adam was in greater sin. Why? He didn't lead his wife. I'm not saying women are stupid. I'm saying emotion comes into play much more. Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, honoring the wife as the weaker vessel. This is not my lessons. If you don't like this, talk to me afterwards. Okay? Honoring your wife as the weaker vessel and heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. The whole passage on spiritual gifts, it talks about prophecy, it talks about giving, it talks about tongues, and he says, but let me show you a more excellent way. And what does he go into from 1 Corinthians 12? Into the greatest chapter on how to have right relationships in all the New Testament. Don't believe me? Put it in practice and see what happens. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity. That's the more excellent way. How about 1 Thessalonians? How many churches have problems over this? They argue, all right? 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. Be not ignorant of the rapture. You know, people worry. You know what I don't worry about? I don't worry about going through tribulation. That's the deal with Israel, not the deal with me. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 13. The last verse I'm going to give you there is verse 13. Can help you if you stop when you start to make choices, you know they're going to hurt you because it says, For there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye which are able. So it's not God's fault when you sin. But will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to what? Doesn't mean the temptation's going to go away. Romans 11.25, don't be ignorant of Israel's blindness. Do you know the vast majority of cults believe they're taking Israel's place? Bible-believing Christians have no right to think that. We are to be supporters of Israel. And that's not a popular thought around the world, is it? But you don't need to be afraid. Romans 1.13, he tells the brethren not to be ignorant of Paul's desire to preach the gospel and God's righteousness and the judgment that comes when you don't have it. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 38. Let's turn there, would you? Because I want you to know your fear will come out of lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in where? All the churches of the... If you're saved, you're a saint. If you're not saved, you ain't. It's not good English, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Yeah, well, that's just the law. No, he's saying, also as under the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are what? But if any man be, let him be ignorant. 
Wherefore, brethren, covet the prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now go to Jeremiah 29 and I'll get off this hobby horse. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Their sin, their failure to practice, seventy years in captivity was based off that number of Sabbaths that they had missed. Don't believe me? Ask Pastor Kinney. Study it out. There's a thing that says that, okay? So they kind of forgot who they were supposed to be worshiping. So they go into captivity. They return you to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall, ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. You know, sometimes people, they mess up with the search of their heart because they're afraid. Be not ignorant of who God is and what God says. Fear is unbelief in disguise. We come to the Lord when we're looking for anything other than Him, You're going to have problems. But when you're looking for Him, the blessings will come. Psalm 68. Just one verse. Verse 18. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Who's that talking about? That's a prophecy, isn't it? Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Now look at verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with even the God of our salvation, Selah. You know, sometimes couples having a problem, they come to me and He's upset with her. She's upset with him. I've had, I don't know how many couples sent to me from other churches by pastors. They're all upset with each other. And I stop them and I go, okay, now turn and face each other. Now tell me, why'd you marry him? Why'd you marry her? Tell me ten good things that have happened in your relationship. Tell me about them. I know you're going to tell me about the bad things. But tell me about the good things. <laughs> you can ask Judy. It's tough to put up with me, but boy, she got three beautiful kids. How many times do we spend time looking at the negative in the circumstance, negative in the situation, and we don't look at God? I had a pastor ask me 
You ever feel like God's kind of against you, Pastor Legault? You've been cut out of more cars and accidents than anybody that I know. You keep having to have surgeries. Is God mad at you? You know, I tell him, no, he just answered my prayers. I wanted to know how to minister to hurting people. And he didn't keep me from those problems. He brought me through those problems. How do you look at those problems? Stop and think of your life and realize, and you get afraid. You look at, oh man, I don't know how we're going to deal with this. Stop and look what he's already brought you through. I look at the fact when God saved me, I should have split hell wide open. Do you understand that? If I got what I earned in and of myself, Abram had to learn that. He had fear. God gives him a promise. God gave him a promise. As the stars of heaven. Hmm? Abraham was waiting for the son God had promised. It didn't come. I, yeah, I think I probably would be a little discouraged and not thinking I'd get a son all of a sudden when I'm 90 years old and I still don't have a son. My wife is nine. Huh? He's 99 years old. His wife is over 90. And God gives them a son. I think... Sometimes, you know, if you have the wrong attitude, you think children age you. You know what children do for grandparents who get involved in their lives? Make them feel younger. And it's always fun to get even with your kids, with your grandchildren. He'd been waiting for the sun. Time was ticking. He's, he had feared that that time had run out. And he's going, you know, maybe I just got to give the blessings through Eliezer. And then God's word came again to him and said he would have a son. You know what God was doing? He was reassuring of the promise that was made to him back in Genesis 12. We get impatient with what God said, don't we? When it doesn't happen fast enough, we start doubting things. I have in my Bible in a place, it's in the new, towards the end of the New Testament, I don't have it in my head right now, and I listened to a message by uh, Brother Rick DeMichael, pastor of uh, Treasure Valley, Baptist Church in Meridian, Idaho. And I wrote it down when he said it. And I, I got to remember that. Never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. I don't know if that's new with him, but never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. I preached a funeral Friday evening. Talked about a woman who got saved in the late 1980s. The world thought a lot of her. Did she grow in the Lord? I don't really think so. But you know what God gave her? Three new beginnings. And that's what I preached to them. She came out of an abusive home. And she met a young man in high school who gave her a new beginning in life and they adored each other. And all the guilt, the pain, and the, the self-hating that happens too many times with people with abuse in their backgrounds was wiped away by the unconditional love of them the young man, that they, when they loved each other, and you could see it every time they looked at each other, they, they just adored each other. She had a new beginning. 
In 2004, she almost died of a liver disease. And she had to have emergency liver transplant. And her loving husband gave her over half of his liver to save her life. And she had a second new beginning. She wasn't so fearful anymore, and then she became an advocate of people who make don't give their body, parts of their bodies for donors and pushed it. And she went behind different things to pay it forward, to help other people, and didn't care whether they knew if it came from her or not. Large amounts of money to help people, different problems. And I looked at them, and we went through, because we're talking about her, and then I brought them to Jesus. Now, I don't know if someone got saved or not, but they heard the gospel. Because when she died on that Monday morning, she had a third new beginning that was more glorious than the other two. And any fears about what she went through were all gone. One day you're going to wake up in glory and finding it home. You don't need to fear what this world offers you. What goes on? They get worried about it, okay? Matthew 24, 35, you don't need to turn there. You find it also in Mark, you find it in Luke, and it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my W-O-R-D-S, my words, not the thoughts, the principles, the words shall not pass away. Look at John chapter 17. Verse 18. Excuse me, no. Verse 8. For I have given unto them, these are Jesus, the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely, so that means they had confidence, that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou gavest me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world. Guess where you are, believer? And I come, unto, I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep thine own name. Keep through thine own name those whom thou gave, hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. If you want to know who the son of perdition is and how that goes, ask Pastor Kinney. And now come I to thee, and these things speak I in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them, what? Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. He brings you through the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy what? Word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, his disciples, but for those also which shall believe on me through what? The word that they spoke was the word God gave them. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. 
God led Abram to look up at the stars, told him to count them, and you can't do it. He told him his offspring would be as the stars. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything we ask or think. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Abraham's faith was confirmed. Verses 6 through 21. It says he believed the Lord. Isn't that interesting? The gospel preached unto Abraham was, look at what I have done. Can you believe me? Jesus wasn't there, other than the fact that's who was dealing with Abram. No man has seen the Father at any time, lest the Son declare him. Abram's salvation was based on the fact that he believed God, and it was counted him for righteousness' sake. Do I'm saying that he had right then, did Abram have a full understanding of, of the coming crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection? No. But that was the good news preached to him. He believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. Hmm? For with the heart man believeth unto, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can't comprehend, don't try to logically explain to someone about God, about Jesus Christ. It won't work. That's why they think we're nuts. You've got to give them what God said. Because the powers that changes people's life is not found in your testimony, although they can get their attention. It's found in what God said. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the that's true for, to go from lost to saved, from unbelief to belief. It's also the truth to go from little faith to more faith to much faith to great faith. You've got to believe what God said. When Abraham believed, God counted to Abraham as righteousness. Romans chapter 4. See, now we can look back with that understanding, you know, it's like hindsight is always so much better than trusting him starting off, right? We can say, oh yeah, see that? I knew God was going to do that. Oh <laughs> yeah, you did. Romans 4, verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh to, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt but to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness Do you believe what God says? It ought to change the way you deal with issues. I've had people say, well, you're almost confident to be in cocky. No, I'm not cocky. I'm confident in my Lord. I'm confident in his book. I believe in my hand is the inerrant, pure, inspired, preserved word of God. I can be confident in that. 
If you don't believe you have that, what do you think God would give you? He's not the author of confusion. He brings order. When you have conflicting sources or conflicting authorities, either one's true and the other's not, or none of them are true. And God always says, you got to believe what I say. To believe is to trust, to have faith in. This is dictionary definition. To rely on, to take God at His word. And it's counted to you. You know what that means? <laughs> God opens a bank account for you. It's counted on your righteousness. It's added to your account. What is righteousness? That's what God gave me. I don't have it of myself. It's holiness, purity, the state of being right with God. I got saved out of a church that showed that people had to work so long or do something, and that they did enough testing and they found out and they'd make somebody, they'd declare them through the, the authority of the church to be a saint. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Apostle Paul to the saints at Rome, to the saints at Corinth, the most carnal church of the churches found in the New Testament epistles, to the saints at Galatia, to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints in Thessalonica. The word saint literally means one declared righteous by God. The minute you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, acknowledging you're a sinner in need of a Savior, He takes your sin, right? For God hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He gives you His righteousness. You're a saint. Just don't buy yourself a t-shirt. Declare you as a saint because then you're pointing to yourself and not to him. God's plan for saving man, God thought it. <laughs> Isn't it neat? God thought it. Jesus bought it. The Spirit taught it. And Satan fought it. Anybody wants those, they can take that. It's not new with me. It's in the notes. Okay? But you got a message to preach at a nursing home or on the street corner or in a church. Satan fought it and we got it. If you're here this morning and you're saved, you've got the righteousness of God. Abraham then wanted some assurance that he would inherit the promised land. Look at back in our text, Genesis 15. Look at verse 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Just asking for a little bit more assurance. God confirmed his promise through sacrifice. You know, today when people make an agreement or they make a covenant today, used to be, my father used to say, when he grew up, a man's handshake was his bond. That was a contract. It was going to take place. Now it has to be a signed paper that is notarized that's still fought in court, right? But it's a, it's a written agreement. You know, back in Abraham's day, thing was done differently. They would take animals and cut them in two. They would arrange the pieces in two lines and they would join hands and walk between them. That's a historical fact to how they handled things. Isn't that interesting? By doing this, they pledged in the presence of blood and death, you know, a blood oath, their intention to keep the terms of the agreement. 
that custom demonstrated that they were serious. Dead serious. About keeping their end of the, the, the agreement. Such a deal. Hmm? Abraham did his best. What did he do? He drove away the fowls that came down to try to destroy that promise and sacrifice. You know what we need to do sometimes? Do you know the fowls of the air? Look at what sometimes that's likened unto. A little birdie told you? Be careful about imaginations. How many intruding thoughts do you have? The birds can signify evil. I, I'm reading through this text and I'm looking at the way they're taking the lesson and all. I'm so I'm I'm carnal. Okay. I think of Alfred Hitchcock's movie The Birds. <laughs> I'm going, oh, okay. <laughs> Bird comes after me, God, I'm gonna shoot it. <laughs> you know what the birds represent? Doubt. Unbelief. Abram tried to protect it. He did it for as long as he could in his own strength. And what did he do? Fell asleep. At that time, because you've got to remember, since the time that Adam lost it, because God walked with Adam in the cool of the evening, and they spoke to each other as friend to friend. Before you have the completion of the canon, the word of God, God came and spoke to men in dreams and Visions. See, Greek seeketh after wisdom, Jews require a... I think I remember one of Abraham's descendants, okay, that had different things take place. Actually, it was before Abraham. No, think about this, all right? Who fell asleep on a rock? Who thought something was going to happen? Who wrestled with an angel? God's presence walked through the whole length between the animals, confirmed he alone would do what he promised. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because we're going to finish quick. I'm rushing again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 20. Or excuse me, 2 Corinthians. I went to the wrong one. I knew that wasn't right. First Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are what? And in him. You know when you say amen, you're saying, so be it. You're agreeing with him. So be it. Unto the glory of God by us. Abraham awoke up to a barbecue. Isn't that what happened? The animals were cooked. Sometimes we give our best to carry out God's plan in our lives and we try to keep our promises with him. Sometimes God has to put us to sleep to get us to rest completely in him. 
Abraham had to learn that lesson over and over again. He believed God, it was counted under righteousness' sake. It wasn't demonstrated until you got to Genesis 22, when he was willing to give that which he loved the most. Because God said it. Where are you when it comes to what God says? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word and pray you continue to use this to speak to our hearts. Help us to stand fast in your word that Jesus might receive all the glory, the honor, and the power. Father, your word says, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.